Welcome back, everyone. We're live for another episode of Growing with My Fellow Growers. This is Jack Greenstock. I'm joined, as always, by an awesome panel. I'm going to pass it first over to Matthew Gates, who's covering as host this week. And then uh, I'm going to jump out and let the rest of the crew take over. And I'll see you all next week. Have a great one. Have a good one, Jack. Drive safe, man. Thank you very much. Happy holidays, everybody. Peace out. Happy holidays, Jack. Have a good one. Yeah, so uh, if you're first joining us, uh, if it's your first time, but I see there are definitely people who have been here before already in the comments. Uh, my name is Matthew Gates. I'm an integrated pest management specialist, and uh, I'm joined by a bevy of people of various um, abilities and capacities and interests and things in the cannabis space. And I'm going to jump it up to Spartan Grown. How are you? Doing well, thank you. I'm uh, Spartan Grown, and I'm an organic and synthetic farmer here in the great state of Michigan. So if you have any gardening questions when it comes to organic or synthetic cannabis cultivation, shoot me a, a DM on Instagram at Spartan Grown, all one word, or you can shoot me an email at spartangrown at gmail.com, and I will do my best to help you out. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, and that's not idle true. Spartan has helped me and many other people in the industry and also lots of home growers, uh, as the name implies. And I've really enjoyed that we can do this in this medium for uh, over two years now. It's, yeah, it's been it's been quite a while, man. I don't know. Quite a while now. It might be yeah. as, for sure. It might even be over three. I'm not sure. Yeah, at this point. Coming up on three. I, I'm pretty sure we're coming up on three in like February. I think you're right, uh, which is actually a great opportunity to introduce Dr. MJ Coco. Oh, hey, that's me. Yes, I'm Dr. MJ Coco from CocoForCannabis.com. I'm uh, happy to be back. Uh, wishing everybody a Merry Christmas. Everybody had a, a good holiday. And um, I think we're a little bit short-staffed today. And I saw in the message, yes, Jack did have to bounce. I think he's on the road. Um, so... Matthew Gates is stepping in as our, our capable host, and it should be an interesting show. I want to remind everybody about the New Year's Grow Challenge, which starts in less than a week now. Um, we're dropping seeds on January 1st, and everybody is invited to grow along with us. There'll be a lot of great prizes. Sign up at cocoforcannabis.com forward slash challenge. Yeah, and um, I've definitely taken a look at the Dr. MJ uh, forum. And if you haven't, you really should, because there's a lot of cool information there and um, a really great community that's growing and growing. Growers love, after all. Tao, how are you? That was How's a good going, everybody? Draw. <laughs> yeah, it took me a second to hit that mute button. It's good to see everybody. I hope you all had a great holiday. I'm the American one on the YouTubes and the American one underscore with underscore Keens on the IG. And it's good to be here. I got just snuck in at the nick of time and I uh, hope everybody's well. I certainly am. I appreciate that. Noah the Groa, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, Merry Christmas to everybody listening and everybody on the panel. I'm, uh, I'm Noah the Grower from Instagram. You can find me there. I have been growing cannabis for over 11 years and uh, done it in a bunch of different capacities and continue to do it, enjoy it, and happy to be here. Very cool, very cool. Well, um, you know, we just had Christmas <laughs> literally uh, yesterday and uh, other holidays, um, you know, recently. So did anyone get anything cool cannabis-related? I 100% did. I got, I know it's going to be small, but to me, it's fucking badass. A flick wick. 
So there's a chamber in here that you can keep a spool of uh, hemp wick. And then clever. And then you've got a little roller on the side to increase or reduce <laughs> the hemp wick. And you light it with, a, with your lighter. <laughs> if I can get the damn lighter to light. And then you got your hemp wick. And then when you want to put it out, you just roll it back down and it extinguishes. It's pretty fucking nifty. I love it. That Simple is pretty ash. cool. I like that. I like that too. Um, I have a Zippo that I usually use because I'm pretentious and I just wrap some um, wick around it. But uh, yours is a much more elegant design. I also have a Zippo for if it's windy out. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Anyone else? I didn't. Or actually, you know, I guess you could say that I did. Um, the person who follows me, uh, Leviathan, Leviathan Seeds, they sent me some um, some stuff to try out. And uh, I'm, I'm actually uh, about to try some. I rolled a couple of joints and I'll be, I'll be interested to see um, how it goes. I had some uh, Slurricane. Uh, let's nice. see, what was it here? Yeah, I know. Slurricane. I knew that I haven't had this yet, so I'll uh, okay. I'll be finding out soon. I only have a small amount from each one. Um, also, some uh, glue lotto uh, from James Loud, I believe. That was uh, I don't oh, have you. I, I'm not sure how other people have enjoyed it, but I I took a bit of a, a smell, and it was very uh, gassy to me. I don't know if other people have had that experience, but I like. I haven't tried it. I haven't had, had it myself, but I've heard of it, but I haven't been able to try it yet. And then from Ethos, some uh, orange Kush cake. And uh, the other one, on Cushmints, uh, the rabbit hippie cut. So um, I'll be uh, looking forward to those soon. So I really enjoyed the, and some really nice glassware, actually. They included uh, two uh, hand-blown uh, uh, glass uh, glasses, kind of like whiskey glasses, sort of, in a very nice aquamarine color. So uh, that was very nice to receive. <laughs> You reminded me when you were going through that. I also got gifts. This is probably top one in, in the top top two or three of my gifts. A little jar full of Trentray hash. Oh, I've been smoking through this all weekend long. I love it. We have a uh, Brandon coming in actually, so I'll I'll, I'll let him uh, introduce himself. I think he's still connecting uh, with the audio. Brandon, are you here? Yeah, I'm here. Yeah, you want to give us an introduction? Sure. What's going on, guys? I'm Brandon Rust. You can find me on IG, rust.brandon. You can find a link to my company, Bokashi Earthworks. And I'm starting a new grow project. And maybe I'll talk about that a little bit later. Yeah, I'd be curious to know. Uh, for those who aren't aware, you should check him out on Instagram because Brandon has been talking some really interesting uh, biochemistry. Certainly uh, not my forte. So um, I've been enjoying the, the videos lately. So if you want to check out some of his cool projects, you should definitely uh, head on over to his IG. Sometimes I'm uh, trying to speak and not uh, like, fl like fluidly. And, um, I'll, you know, my thoughts come in my head so quick. Sometimes I, uh, when I go and rewatch a video, sometimes I realize that I've misspoken something. Oh, <laughs> Uh, the viroid video that I made recently that I'm still proud of. 
it's kind of like that for me where I'm trying to explain a concept and I'm trying to be simple. And I don't understand it perfectly myself, like in all the details, like a genomicist might, but, or a virologist, but I'm like going back over it sometimes, like I better clarify that statement <laughs> in the edit. So I totally hear you there, but um, yeah, I know that feeling. I know that <laughs> feeling well. <laughs> yeah. Cause you'll, last... I'll be, I'll be, uh, I'll be talking about, um, like calcium i remember on one of them i was talking about calcium but i was writing out on the board potassium oops <laughs> i was like wait a minute i feel oh, sorry for you well i always speak perfectly i know right <laughs> <laughs> you speak as you mean to and that's the the best gift of all <laughs> no. so uh did you get anything for um the holidays that is uh cannabis related brandon i asked the other folks uh no yes no no <laughs> not even just a bunch of hash or no. no i mean i already have like a bunch of hash i have like a box of hash in my fridge that's true and... when you get the guy who has everything with pairs of that <laughs> <laughs> i literally have stuff that's been sitting for you know probably a year at least oh man and uh i have weed that i'll eventually get to maybe i don't know I that's just, a good uh, problem to have you know strategic cannabis resources six months yeah. to a year <laughs> so i always have a couple of varieties that'll get smoked all the time you know like that all go through and they'll be gone you know but uh, then i have other stuff that it's just all, all right, and it's not my favorite, so it sits around a little bit longer. I totally get you. Were there any other things people wanted to share? I just wanted to open that up for everyone. I, uh, as, as a cannabis grower, I don't really usually get uh, cannabis-related stuff, but I usually give it. So I gave out a lot of gifts, you know what I'm saying? That's typically what I do You know, to a lot of my stoner buddies and stuff around Christmas and uh, close circle i i give stuff away so but yeah, yeah they, they, they know not to give me anything it's the same thing like i don't need any so that totally makes sense um and i'm seeing a lot of that lately around the holidays it was very nice we got yeah. kyle reader coming in soon i did that i'm give my mom a bunch of butter and then my mom makes baked goods and gives all her friends well not all of her friends but her friends that enjoy uh, those baked goods um, that gift. is awesome. That is the coolest story you've ever told on this show, Dr. MJ. That is, that is <laughs> that's the coolest that story. That is that's, awesome. It's because why? Because people don't expect uh yeah, that they, is, they uh, don't mother. expect it. I will give you that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. There's that many factors on why cool. that's the greatest story. It's been told yeah. <laughs> I love it. So Kyle uh, is yes, here. it feels good oh, to okay. share to share with those kinds of people too. I I really yeah, enjoy yeah. it. Getting a you know a bunch of um, you know retired age women um, cookies for Christmas. That's that's kind of fun. Yeah, uh, you know, light a little fire inside. <laughs> make the make the winter a little bit less harsh. Yeah, those oh. harsh San Diego winters. Yeah, you know? exactly. <laughs> Not so much here. So. Uh, but Kyle is here. I want to give him a chance to um, introduce himself. Kyle, how are you? Hey everybody, I'm doing well. Uh, just getting over, uh, sure, like we all have, just getting over the family thing. Uh, oh, sure. Kind of, 
Yeah, I, I met my uh, my my girlfriend's relatives for the first time, so that was uh, that was interesting. Um, good people, um, but yeah, home safe now. Just kind of in the garden right now, tending to some things. Um, got some projects coming up that uh, I'm trying to get ready for. But uh, yeah, other than that, uh, sorry, Kyle Breeder. I got a website if anybody's inter interested in feminized seeds. Um, I do have a reg seed line that's dropping on the 31st of this month. Our first reg seed line uh 10 a.m eastern time and uh yeah purebreeding.com if you're interested in anything in, uh, or anything about that and pure breeding on all social media platforms pure underscore breeding on instagram and uh yeah feel free to reach out if anybody has any questions and i'm glad everyone's here safe and hopefully uh, everybody had a good good holidays with their family and stuff Did you get anything cool uh, uh yeah i got some brand new method seven glasses because i've been kind of rock uh raw dogging it for because I, I had a pair and then they got ruined and i've been raw dogging it and uh my eyesight uh, it's just not the good thing that's not smart so uh, i got a new pair of those so i was kind of excited about that um my girlfriend took me to the boston ballet which was interesting i don't know if that's a gift or uh or something else <laughs> <laughs> but why do you say that <laughs> uh, I mean, it was interesting, you know, some people, it's not a bad thing at all. It's definitely like an art form, but, uh, you know, it's, it's like emerged somehow, somehow it was partially my present, but it's not, yeah. Kyle, uh, but, what you needed was one of uh, Dr. MJ Coco's mom's cookies for that event. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. This is what we've learned. I was going to yeah. say, I do understand how this gift is related to cannabis. I totally understand. You don't even need to mention that. No, yeah. yes. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, other than that, uh, things are good. Just, uh, you know, you know how it is when you get older, man, you don't really get uh, too much stuff, but, uh, yeah, I got some new, some, uh, some good work boots, uh, a couple of knickknacks here and there, but, uh, overall it was, it was a good, good holiday. I'm glad to hear it, honestly. And, uh, similarly, you know, I guess I'll just share very, very, uh, shortly. I also, um, I mean, I already said something already, but, uh, yeah, I didn't get too many myself and, uh, that's okay. Cause I was much more interested in having a good time with the people close to me so i definitely appreciate that anyone have any plans for the new year's uh not only just new year's as like a party but also like moving forward i know multiple people here have projects we all have like irons in the fire and uh i thought we would have maybe a smaller group of people but in fact we just don't have jack so you know i want to make it a little bit more freeform because i talk too much <laughs> does anyone have anything they really want to talk about well plans for new year's Everybody should have the New Year's Grow Challenge as their plan for, for New Year's. <laughs> there um, we go. Just saying, just throwing that out there. I was just going to say, my, uh, I'm going to try and keep better records of everything and uh, not let my babies get root bound. That's as simple as I'm going to get. And yeah, that's my goal for the new year. That's the root bound free resolution. Yeah, root bound. I like that. And, and take like document more because yeah, I I've learned that that could uh, I would that would benefit me. And yeah, plus I'm working on the chocolate. I'm I'm growing out the chocolate tie and the chocolate, and I hope to find something that smells and tastes chocolatey. But that's I'm going to continue down that road the rest of the year if I don't. <laughs> Nice practical goals are always good instead of some lofty thing that nobody's ever going to approach in a hundred years. I totally get that. You know, that, that'll probably do more good for you. Just like something small like that than uh, something well, way more manageable. 
That's how I feel people always get with these sort of New Year's resolutions. Anyone else have now, a project? Now I, I feel a... like I should I, I should strive for more, Matthew. You think so? <laughs> All right, I'm going back to the I'm going back to the table. No, I'm so, <laughs> just take my approach, Tal, man. I just look at them as goals. And when you reach your goal, you just set a new goal. There you go. So yeah, man. Yeah, Mike, it's never ending. It's it's not just because it's New Year's. Good point. Yeah. Spartans are over here like goals. Uh, you know, it's easy. How to be successful? Just complete goal one, and then do goal two. Goal, goal two, and then yeah, do exactly. goal three. I don't yep. see why people have problems with this. <laughs> <laughs> well, the the thing is, people give up. It's just don't stop. Stop this giving up. That's true. But yeah, man. I would. I'm just wanting to. I want to by the end of next year i want to have uh, found a male to breed into my bliss bud project and then taken prodigy from that initial cross uh, i guess it would still kind of be an f1 at that point and then um find a just find a, a male and a female combo to smash into each other and then have those seeds ready to be worked with for the following year that will make me happy. That's my goal <laughs> to get that far. And I did the first step in that. I, I popped Russell. So it's, that's my namesake, right? I got, they got to be good. We got good weed there. So um, if I popped that yesterday on Christmas day, I popped two of them, the regular seeds. And it's a win-win for me. If I get a male, I can uh, work that into the bliss. And if I get a bunch of females, I'll get, get to smoke them. And that's like a chem back, a back cross chem crossed with like a back crossed um jack herrera so it should be a really or was it chem yeah i think it's chem and jack herrera so that should be a fucking great cross this is making me feel like a bad friend because i'm forgetting that you even mentioned the bliss project before have you um i'm sure i'm i don't i i do too many shows to be honest and my brain <laughs> can't keep them all in in check so i may not have but my bliss project is my my overall goal is to have a lifelong strain project that the, the goal of the strain is for it to always have an uplifting high. That's why the namesake bliss. And for, so if I find any kind of um, a strain that is very uplifting in, in the, in the, the way that, it, you know, when I smoke the female version of it, I'll uh, try to work that into the bliss, but to just continue to keep working that until I'm, I'm already actually happy with the, with the high on it, but uh, I want to change the flavor profile. It's not the greatest yet. It's good, but it's not the greatest. So I'm going to continue to work uh, strains into it. Um, your, your classical sativa esque type of a high and by sativa esque specifically the, mood enhancing, uh, anti-depression, uh, giggly high, uh, those kinds of attributes. Um, I can do it with a little bit of the energetic, but I don't like a lot of that. I don't want to, I want it to be one that people can enjoy and not have like racing hearts. So that's my overall goal with it. You know, if I can get one that tastes pretty good, then I'll be happy. My first step on that was I took a, I went real sour D heavy. I took sour diesel, on one side and then the other side was a pineapple tie cross to a sour strawberry which is a sour d cross and so yeah. smash those two together to make the f1s and that's where i'm at right now i've selected i've grown through i don't know how many 
maybe only five or six of those but i've selected the number three so far so that right now that's my keeper cut of bliss bud is the number three on the initial cross but i want to get another if you work two males into it you know i figured then it's yours right so i wanted to get at least one more male worked into it to make it enough different from the original cross that i can actually claim that it's somehow mine in my opinion not anybody else's opinion fuck what everybody else thinks that's my opinion my <laughs> standard that's my standard so and so then i can start begin they can begin to say that at that point it's my my work strain and uh and i'm going to continue working that one forever i think what was that kyle i said that's far better than most yeah i was gonna say yeah. least, i mean i think having the out just having the outward sentiment in general is better than most in some cases i think so when some you people, say some people that, just some people just do an S one and they're like 100 percent all mine start from the beginning. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I found this seed in some unknown bag weed, so it's obviously I take all the credit for that. Right? <laughs> yeah, that's even that's even a word, but step worse. You did nothing. You found a seed. <laughs> some of the most I feel like a lot of the really popular ones have a sort of a, a story kind of like that, and it's very. Um, you know, it's very, mis- you know, it's mystical that way. It's like, ooh, it's a very cool. It just happened to be very luck, very fortunate. But uh, yeah, I, I definitely, I respect uh, working the line. And, and you know, it's always interesting to get people's impressions about this. But um, when you say that you don't feel like the flavors are where it is for you, I'm curious, uh, what do you mean by that? So they are, one of the, one of the things that is, uh, checks a box for me is if I roll it in a joint, that I can taste the flavor that it tasted at the beginning. I can taste it at the end of the joint. And um, mm. I don't like it to lose its flavor throughout the joint. That's tough. Not all, not a lot of strains will do that. Some will. And that's, that's what I think is just one of those extra, one of those extra things. One of the things, one of the unicorn traits, right? Mm-hmm. So um, for me, it's got to have a strong enough terpene profile to last through and to taste like something through a whole joint. That's an interesting metric. I've often thought about sort of the beginning of a joint versus the end of a joint and, you know, why the roaches are, are much more powerful, burn slower, all of that. They, they end up with a lot of the, the resin sort of leached down into them. Um, so I'm just kind of thinking about what it would be to what sort of characteristics of a strain would, would allow it to continue sort of having that same flavor um just being very broad with it is i think really it's i don't think it's so much well maybe it is but i don't think it's so much a specific terpene but i think it's a terpene percentage so you're right so i mean it's going to have to have an abundance of terpenes rather than you know one percent or lower yeah yeah because vaporizing those resins then as you get towards the bottom of the joint is is still going to contribute a lot to the to the flavor i mean and to the effect yeah. i mean i i like the roaches sort of the most out of the joint um but i'm going to pay attention to that now i've really never thought much about the terpenes lasting through the the whole joint before yeah i kind of like that as well um i feel as though i also in the same way i i like it when it gets down to the end it gets resinous and um I like uh, I like the <laughs> I like a little bit of the the burn I guess from the this might be really weird but uh, you know just having that that the smoke I just feel like that the the resin kind of like touches your tongue coats it almost 
Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. Okay. So that's not, I'm getting corroboration. That's good. Yes. <laughs> I didn't know how unique an experience that really was, but uh, um, yeah. So when you get it down to like the roach clip time and you're really kind of like holding it, you know, a few millimeters away from your lips and, and pulling through like really hot smoke. It, I mean, I, I think a lot of that is, that you're feeling on your tongue is just the the heat coming off of there because it doesn't have any distance to cool down from the the combustion but um, yeah you're also vaporizing all of the resins that had sort of seeped down into that part of the joint and you're getting like wicked high i always remember that when i you know and you start burning a joint and like the first few puffs of the joint you've burned through like half of the joint and And then, you know, it starts getting more resonated and burns slower and just gets better. Um, so I'm happy to be like last in the circle when it comes time to, to smoke in the joint. Um, you know, I'd rather be first in the circle when it comes time to for smoking a bowl or a bong. I, I have two comments there. One, get you some tips, man. How, how are you smoking joints with no tips in it? Get some tips so then you don't have to worry about roach clips. You can get yeah, I usually just roll up a piece of cardboard as a little, you know, space. Okay, that works. That'll work. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't pass on that then. But another thing is the dry hit. I think I don't see as much. I've I've brought all the MBGS guys back on board with that. I've I've, I've converted them, but that's one of my favorite things to do is if someone, especially if we're in a circle, that's like our your classic smoke circle. If somebody hands me something new and says, Hey, I want you to go ahead and you know, you get the honor of lighting it up, I won't light it. I'll fucking dry hit that and pass it around so everyone can yeah. dry hit it. Because you, you can get that, that flavor, right? Yeah, I love that. So I, I, I love, I'm a big proponent of that too. Do the dry hit, hit it dry first, and it gives you like a, a preview of what you're about to smoke. It gives you something to kind of focus on, to look for in the smoke when you're, uh, when you take it. I've been in time. some pretty big circles, man. And I don't know if I would do that because I'd be worried somebody's going to like this. I was like, I get all the way back to me and get it. I'm going to have the guy like the tease and never get the payoff. But yeah, yeah, I hear you. Our circles never stop. So people just keep throwing them in. So it doesn't yeah. matter. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, then there's... it's gonna be something different, you know. Like you got that that pull off of that joint. You're like, ooh, that smell. That tastes really good. I can hardly wait to smoke that. But yeah. <laughs> that's true. That's true. You gotta bring the king cones. Yeah, I'm. Um, you know, I'm a big loser, and I usually just get the cones. Yeah, but I do get them king size, and um, that's just so much easier. <laughs> so uh, I don't practice. Got them too. Anymore. No shame, man. I got them too. <laughs> there you go. There you go. I just roll with bills. <laughs> I've got a rolling machine, king size and inch and a quarter, both of them. <laughs> uh, I started off uh, on this quarter right here. asking about uh, if anyone had any other projects they want to talk about. Brandon, you mentioned something, but you know, no pressure. Uh, but if anyone else does too, I'm, you know, I'm open to it. Um, yeah, I've got a couple things going on working right now to register all my uh, fertilizer. I'm going to see if I can get the CDFA certification because if I get that in California, I'm pretty much good to go for the rest of the country. I just have to have somebody submit all the paperwork. So I'm working on finding, uh, I'm working on, uh, I'm actually working with uh, Royal Gold. They're a soil company from Mendocino. Uh, he he is basically helping me uh, by uh, hooking me up with the person who did all their registration stuff. So um, they already know 
all the hoops that have to be kind of jumped through and what needs to be done on that aspect. And it's just something that uh, I got to, I got to take care of that. Um, looking at Columbia, I met some guys that um, have an import export company and they import export nutrients. And so they were interested in both the nutrients, but also they uh, have registration. You can register different varietals down in Columbia and they treat it more of an agricultural crop. So they have import export as well. So there's a bunch of projects that are. Is it a dry product, Brandon? Or is it, What's that? is this a dry product then? What? This fertilizer, are they going to be like water soluble, but dry salts or? No. So my, the, the like, fertilizer that I have through Bokashi Earthworks, what it is a liquid, but what it is, it's a, they react the uh, lignite with a catalyst and then attach all of the macro and micro right. uh, molecules to the uh, to the uh, carboxylic acid and then they bottle it up so that's a liquid oh, okay <laughs> it has to be in the liquid to be able to um to be able to like kind of do what it does stabilize and shit yeah to just be stable so that way it's stabilized in the soil system too because it doesn't react with the uh, soil system that's the benefit everything that's in there is all all bioavailable it stays in a bioavailable form until it's utilized by either the biology in the soil or the plant um but there's a bunch of stuff uh also that I've been working, you guys probably already know that I've been working with Kerwailua out in Hawaii. They're the largest um, patient-based farm probably in the world at this point. And they're, uh, you know, they have the same cultivation style because I've been working with them for uh, 14 or 15 months and I do all the soil agronomy and help them build soil and all that stuff. And um, they're expanding really fast and, uh, so I'll probably be um, working with those guys a little bit more as they expand. Um, and then I have a new, uh, I left Black Label. Um, my, my partner and his family went back to San Diego. And um, I just didn't want to uh, kind of, I didn't want my, I don't want to keep operating with my partner. Um with the two brothers were who are our partners so i left that free up some time so i have a smaller place um that was my girlfriend's brother's place and he's you know i think more focused on you know his contracting work um and so it's just a one room flowering room with like 36 uh hlgs in there and i'm just gonna run that because it shouldn't take more than a couple hours a day when it's all up and running and then just the um the times when you have to do like uh harvesting and stuff it should be pretty easy but i'm going to do it so i'm like harvesting every 10 days one row so it should be pretty easy for just myself to run that a couple hours a day be able to spend time on bokashi earthworks and the other and still do the consulting because i work with uh quite a few people out here in oklahoma too doing their agronomy soil science stuff yeah, that makes sense then. Yeah. And um, I mean, there's definitely a lot of irons in the fire. It's hard, but you're definitely right about that with regards to 
getting certified in California. I've talked about it before. And for those who don't know, uh, this is a little bit different, but like with regards to like um, pesticides even and other sorts of products, it's like uh, companies will have entire divisions just totally devoted to California and then, you know, normal operation for the rest of them. So um, I look forward to your success in that, but I do know it's an arduous, uh, it's great that you're getting help. I went and saw sure. a lawyer. I was like, there you go. The lawyer was like, yeah, I don't know. If, I don't know if my firm can handle this. I was like, usually these kinds of projects that you're talking about, are handled by like large firms because I have other projects too I'm working with as well because part of like doing my consulting is you know I can do all the from from soil to all the way to harvest right I have that like easy just doing the the data analytics and as long as they're able to maintain proper you know environmental um, parameters and and then do the IPM that I that I put in place. Um, it makes a streamlined, efficient process that always has the same exact quality. So I've been talking to Brandon from In-house Genetics about partnering up and doing the type a type of grow plan where people can. Because here's what I found out: most of the most of the owner operators like that operate here in Oklahoma, for instance, that's what most of them are. The majority of the cannabis businesses are mom and pop. So a lot of those people don't want to have to be in the garden all day gardening and then try to go pound pavement to go sell weed and like keep all, keep their networks open and the communication for, um, you know, with dispensaries and it costs money to pay somebody to do that. Uh, marketing, branding, sales, all that is is a really um, important part of cannabis if you're in the legal legal market. So being able to work with someone like in-house genetics where they have certain varieties that'll be like limited releases, doing you know um, something that was pheno hunted by one of the partners or something and it goes to one one farm and they do kind of, I do the, all the soil science, integrated pest management, whole grow plan. Basically they provide genetics and then we co up, we co-partner up on uh, marketing uh, for the distribution. And so that way the farms can basically go get their genetics. know it's going to be sold at the end following these certain protocols. So that way that it can eliminate uh, some of the stress involved with, um, you know, having to go through middlemen or distribution and stuff like that, because that shit can be a nightmare for uh, small farms. And then you have the whole fucking big corporations trying to push pressure on you to make more regulations to make it fucking even more difficult for you to operate. Yeah. And so one of the things is if we have this type of thing set up, one of the things that we were also talking about is doing how in-house already works with uh, people out in Michigan, you know, to do information and to create a type of organization that can push back against people who are trying to take away people's rights and monopolize on the industry, you know, so. You know, I, I would encourage it. I mean, it's social media is free for everybody to use, but it's a powerful voice and that helps organizations like that get word out almost instantly sometimes. And um, we already have that cannabis community in place. 
And so um, if you guys were to guess something, you know, an organization that was, you know, ran by people that we know are one of us, I think it could be a real positive effort. Yeah, it's one of those things where it would want it, we would want to have some uh, like people in every state. And the same thing with the distribution part. If you look at if you look at it statistically, you can work with you know these uh, types of shops that are owner operator. You don't have to work with huge like MSOs um, to be able to have a part of the the top tier market, right? Not the not like the the fucking blown out hundred thousand square foot warehouses because regardless of how well you can like automate. I don't think that without that, that personal touch that you can't really, it, it's difficult, right? It's just difficult. The weed's different, you know? Um, yeah, for sure. So I just want, uh, it's just a, a well, it's way powerful to, to have a breeder, especially of that caliber. You know what I mean? And that's got the respect and the pull that he has to work with a breeder like that. That's another it's another powerful thing to have. And he's helped a ton in Michigan. Shout out to Brandon. And um, yeah. he's sponsoring shows like Medical Mondays. And you know what I mean? That they're getting the word out. They're constantly talking about the issues. So it's uh, those are the kinds of people you should support. You know, that, that's. Yeah. That's yeah. And that's your, the thing, too. Um, it's 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 better to work with the smaller companies. People understand when the majority of capital goes into one place. It, it, it's not beneficial for the economy as a whole or for the people as a whole. That's why Oklahoma, you know, really boomed because it was easy access, easy entry. Um, they made it so you had to be a resident for two years. So it helped a lot of the people here. But if you're thinking about, and I've said this a fucking hundred times, if you look at all the ancillary businesses that are associated with build outs, the growth stores, property, electricians, HVAC, everybody, is getting is making money because they can all participate in their own way you know in a new industry and even though the industry is you know like people right now you know it's it's oversaturated is what people will say but it's like it's not oversaturated with fucking dank yeah it's just oversaturated with fucking mid-level weed which is to you to us that's like here's the thing people don't understand that haven't been doing this you know for 20 plus years the 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 weed that we see today that come out of these super facilities is equivalent to like the mexican brick weed that we are smoking back (laughs) today but it just looks prettier bro right you know yeah because it's going inside get me fucking ripped as fuck too but it and it was cheap you know, it didn't fucking look pretty, but then you, you knew when you had like good quality weed and you had to pay for it. Right. But, um, it's, uh, you can still be uh, cost effective too. And that's one of the reasons why it, it's this, the, the whole setup, like the whole scenario would work really well because the way that I'm able to, um, do the cultivation side is more cost effective because you're, reusing all of your inputs over and over there's so much less waste using um you know bulk soil amendments so and it streamlines the it stream and it's just it streamlines the process when you can just go in plant not have to worry about you know um tearing you know uh getting rid of all your media and all What's that your- other stuff 
what's your microbial threshold that you have to pass down there? Because that's what scares a lot of people up here out of like 10,000, 10,000. Okay. Yeah. I think that's what that is here too. Microbial on medical. And even that plating system is trash and oh my not God. even representative. Oh my God. Yeah, we had it's... a lab here lobby our government and change <laughs> the system. We went from the fuck, uh, um, what is it? PLCR or something like that? PCR? P PCR maybe? RT-PCR maybe? I don't know. I don't know what it was, but we were going from where they were looking at the DNA to where they're yeah. looking at plates now. I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, you know, in a world where most microbes aren't even culturable, and a lot of times we even we write research reports about them, you know, which are sometimes even, you know, if they're good, they're not totally on inference about some of the capabilities. But if they're, you know, if they're preliminary, we don't, we don't even know. Like, CFUs only account for a tiny fraction of, of, of microbes. And uh, yeah, going after the genes would be the most logical step, I think. But uh, also it's expensive yeah. though. So, well, that's um, why they'll, I mean, obviously that's why the lab would, you know, lobby for that kind of shit. They don't have to have an expensive machine. All they have to have is some fucking plates in an incubation chamber. Mm -hmm. I think yeah. that, I think that um, if you're, oh crap, what was I just going to, gonna say uh i forgot what i was gonna say because i'm stoned <laughs> sometimes it's better that way does that have anything to do with microbials and organics that's kind of the general team that we were on you know it's it, it shouldn't be an issue if you um are you know doing everything properly i mean just because you have soil you can have just as much microbial activity in uh, like a cocoa system too. I mean, I've seen cocoa where it was co coated in mycelium and, uh, I've seen rock wool that was fucking coated in algae and I've seen it grow mushrooms, you know? So just because, uh, just because you think a system is, is, is cleaner than something else, it really depends. It's really all about like your, well, I mean, your these are management protocols that you have in place, what type of sure. microbials you're using for, uh, for inoculants, because I use an inoculant, I use a probiotic inoculant, you know what I mean? It's right. got the bacillus, the pseudomonas and the, and the, um, saccharomyces in there. And, and I also use the bacillus subtilis and the trichoderma. So I love that combo right there, but dude, that's a fucking winner. And it's great because <laughs> it helps, it helps, uh, keep iron in its, uh, right. And it has shown sign. I've seen white papers that even shows PM resistance with that combo specifically in the soil. Yeah. So um, it's all about just building up things. There's bacteria and microbes everywhere. People. I understand like, that, but this is like, I do a, a little bit of consulting on the side for some of these facilities. And, and that's the pushback I get is like, they're going to run salts with fucking uh, some kind of a cleanser, like, you know, like a periodic acid or something. Some sort of yeah. Yeah, run periodic or... yeah, because they don't want to have, they want the, the smallest chance of microbes possible. I'm like, well, that's not really the mindset you want. And they're like, no, we're getting tested on it. And that's exactly the mindset we want. And that's kind of the oh, push. Are we talking, we about, are we talking about the, the flower? Because your soil isn't going to get tested for microbials to pass. But, but they're saying that. But, yeah. But I mean, I, I mean, that doesn't matter because sometimes things happen and stuff on the bottom gets onto the top. Right. I know, but I just. I don't, I just don't, you know, it's not a huge, it's not a, as big of uh, an issue, I think, as 
uh, people. Well, you and I know that, but lawmakers don't know that, and they make it's a big yeah penalize it's, you for shit like a yeast. Yeah, can. they're gonna like nuke you for for the smallest offense. Well, this is another issue that affects at scale. So what you might be able to do in a very clean and sanitized way in a smaller grow, if you, you know, set that up for, for these mass produced facilities, there are, is going to be some contamination. So from their mindset, they'd rather just remove any possible chance of that, even if it has, you know, other how, negatives. How are farms, you know, passing in greenhouses or outdoor. I mean, there's no. I can tell no you how the big ones are. Contaminants. You know, how are the big ones? The big ones are doing it by just getting fucking UV and fucking sterilizing that shit before they get it tested. I heard that. Uh, I, I think we talked about it before, but um, microwave sterilization is also a thing that's used in other agricultural products as well, like nuts in particular, because you might get a little larva or two and a pistachio or something and. Uh, naval orange worm moth is aggressive so sometimes that's what they do and uh you know and they'll have like machines that like take the weight or maybe some other sort of factor and they're able to like select them out but i think even with cannabis they're using that as a sterilant which is interesting there's all kinds of different remediation services that you can take your shitty weed and you can take your mids and make it even more midsy they're all (laughs) yeah they're all super expensive, so I imagine the most often, if you see them, they're going to be in the biggest places you find. Brandon <laughs> um, said know, something earlier that I wanted to touch on. Um, man, the, the part about weed being good, and um, it's kind of surprising to me that the market has gone the way it is because he's 100% right. That's the stimulus dispensaries. You know, there's a lot of mid-grade stuff, and I mean a ton of it. But the thing about it is that people need to vote with their dollars. You know, like, why is someone like me or, you know, even higher level guys like Brandon, why are you going to take the time to do all this stuff when people are like, oh, I'm not 150 bucks an ounce? I hear this all the time. And I'm like, dude, what do you think these guys are going to, you think growers are going to grow wheat for 50 bucks an ounce? You buy a $50 ounce, you're going to get a $50 ounce. Okay. You get what you pay for. So I just find it surprising that people always, you know, they bitch because they don't have good wheat, but they don't want to pay the money. You know, there's this no, the growers are not un- going to keep doing this for free. You know, and people need to realize that. If well, we have I to vote, who my market is. Look at my market isn't like fucking island boys or or the fucking twenty year old college kid who's on a budget. My my the people that are usually buying my product are you know probably twenty eight to you know and up people who have uh, some disposable income and they like to have, uh, you know, quality. Who has disposable income in 2021? That's 29. I'm asking for a friend. It's the same as like in the liquor market or anything else. I mean, most people buy and drink cheap stuff, um, regardless of the fact that everybody is aware that there are better quality options at a higher price point. And really, it comes down to a matter of, of socioeconomic class more than a lot of the other features in terms of which of those products that you're both able to access and, you know, interested in spending your money on. If we have to vote with our dollars, then we're already screwed up. Because well, not, look the at, fact I'm not of the matter that is that that's not how marketing works. I'm not saying it's expensive. I'm just saying you're not going to get an ounce for 50 bucks. You know that's what, I mean? what I'm saying, too. You're just not. You're not going to get good weed uh, grown. You're not going to get indoor, uh, you know, high-end weed for that price. You're just not. Uh, because factory. guys are going to figure out a way to <laughs> get out the door 
they're guys are going to figure out a way to push it out the door for, you know, way cheaper, and they're just going to cut corners. I mean, this is basic, you know. But hey, I, think, I congrats, you know. Well, well they're basic, also going to stop selecting is, for quality and just selecting for quantity, also. You know, that's yeah, one hundred percent. Well, I mean, like what's basic is you know you go to another country that has a different purchasing power, right, with their money, and they can make stuff that's high quality, but because of global economics which i'm not an expert in but i do know that you can get high quality stuff that's why the ornamentals went to south america and africa right because and and also not only and it's not just because of labor costs but that's a massive part of it and then what happens is that they're actually they're most of it right and then they get they get talented people either from other places or who are already there and also they have the machinery and technical capability that's ramping up and so there there are real like there's a real good likelihood that i think if cannabis becomes more globally accepted uh that we will get not mids for a pretty low price at other places but see the thing is is that when you all say it's not mids or it's mids or it's not high quality that's so ephemeral to so many people and spartan you've said this multiple times in the past uh, that, you know, because we're in it, because we're in this stuff in a, in a deep way, we have a lot of like opinions about this sort of a thing that other people lack, um, especially newer people. So you could say it's yeah. an education thing too. Well, that's the challenge with any premium product like that. If you want to charge a premium price for a premium product, um, you depend on an educated consumer base that's able to differentiate quality and willing to pay for it. And in a lot of industries, they invest a lot of money both to educate their consumer base so that they understand the quality and are able to, to sort of recognize quality and that they're willing to, to spend more money in order to, to have that quality. Um, the cannabis market in that regard is sort of ridiculously undeveloped um, and immature as a, as a market in terms of um, consumer knowledge and, uh, you know, ways to differentiate for the typical consumer between different categories of, of cannabis. Price is always going to be a primary driving factor in most people's economic purchase decisions, regardless of the, the product category. So there's always going to be a market for sort of cheaper, mass-produced, more affordable cannabis. Um, But I definitely think that there is a quality difference. And I think that if you want to create a niche out of sort of um, targeting a higher quality, then that does come along with sort of expectations for consumer education and needing to differentiate your product so that it commands a higher price. Yeah. And I mean, as long as we're talking about education, it should probably be brought up that, um, you know, like a lot of products, there are people who are being trained to view certain things as quality that maybe isn't, or is really just propaganda at the end of the day. Right. And so that happens too. And I, and I feel like because it's such a, ephemeral concept uh people can get away with saying that like you know xyz certificate program or service or whatever you know will give you the skills to be the person who will know what is good and what's not and i don't know i feel like a lot of times it's um kind of moot what do you guys think about that 
Well, I know that there's like a, like for instance, the Gangier program. You know, they they had like a whole entire like group of cannabis people kind of develop the curriculum for the the testing, and they look at like eight different aspects. You know, flavor, aroma, smell, trichome coverage, appearance. You know, like high, and then they go through the like these whole categorized lists and every single one gets a score and then you have like some like however many different scores for each category and then they add up the total and that average the total average of all everything makes up the total score um and so you can kind of have a over a a good idea of what that actual quality of that cannabis would be See, I, I push back pretty, against I that. I push back that against that so hard. It just it feels so alien to me. It's like, for me, I want to, I guess, preface this with in my experience, but me trying to help people with cannabis as medicine, I found out really early on that what affects one person one way will affect another person differently. So for me, my approach always was just try the damn thing. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what it smells like. <laughs> you know what I mean? Fucking try it. See how it works for you. You know, let everybody's opinions go out the window and just your opinion is the only one that matters. And so even, you know, that's why I would struggle even going into a dispensary to find something I would like, because I mean, they don't have the information I want. Let me talk to a grower. <laughs> you know, what I mean, give me the information. Like, how was it grown? Is is I'd rather have that information yes. than, you know, a lot of the information that's provided to me. So, I think the most important thing for the new. I mean, I know, as scientists and as humans, we like to categorize every little thing and put it in a neat little box. But this is so beyond our comprehension still that I think that's the wrong approach. I think it's it's not the same for everybody. So to try to put it into a category like it's the same because of this profile or whatever, it's like, man, to me, I don't I don't see that. I think it's the better approach would be like, hey, I have such a disease, you know, XYZ disease. And when I smoke this particular cultivar, it helped with that disease. That's the information I think is the most valuable right now for us. But I, don't, I mean, that's just my opinion. Because then we could, well, then we could, then like if we had like five cultivars that were we knew were the most popular ones that we used for, we'll say arthritis. Then we could take and and do profiles on those and compare. Okay, what do these have in common? And then we could say, okay, well, obviously, if we can find something with these this chemical makeup, we might have something here. We can make this, you know, some, you know, just pump up these this suite of cannabinoids and terpenes, so we can specifically target a disease. And I think that's kind of the approach we should be looking more than, I don't know. Beard like a wizard, but you don't appreciate the magic. You're just trying to quantify it all. No, I think you're totally right, actually. Like, it's, it's you know, that gets a little technical. <laughs> and I'm not saying that people should, like, have to, like, spend, um, you know, a hundred thou on all of this testing requirement. Although people are you know, certainly doing this for IPM in some cases. And also, um, uh, what was I going to say? Something more articulate than that. But, um, you know, there are lots of things, probably labor, but lots of things people have to pay a lot um, for. I feel like, um, 
you know, you know, yeah, with regards to, like somebody in the comments, uh, Buddy Buddy uh, Kilowatt was talking about how like everyone who's connoisseur level, um, however you want to define that, you know, everyone thinks the connoisseurs think like every, that everyone thinks that they do a lot of times when you're when you're in this, you know, when you're in the weeds, and I think that's very. I want to echo that. I guess I was saying that already, so I'm just saying the same thing twice. But it's it's just kind of true. We do get into it, and if if people find a value to it, like um i know i'm talking to people who make their money this way so you know we're all a little bit biased including myself but like uh there's definitely a consumer demand for good enough for the price to do the thing that i wanted to do right and i think that's how most people kind of meet it and some people aren't going to make cannabis their whole life and we got to accept that just like most people aren't going to learn bugs and why i'm probably always going to have a job you know (laughs) kind of a thing somewhat I don't know. That, that wasn't very yeah. articulate. But uh, that's a really interesting point. I mean, there's connoisseurs of lots of different things. I mean, we were thinking about coffee. I've been thinking about wine. You can think about other kind of products like even olive oil or something like that. Right. And there's there's always connoisseurs that are able to understand quality that are, are able to really understand what you're getting in the different quality grades of these items. And basically look down their noses at everybody that doesn't understand that and opts for the economic choices instead. Um, You know, if you think about those other areas in which you are not a connoisseur, because most of us probably are connoisseurs of cannabis, and we're going to be looking down our our noses at the people that are sort of opting for the cheaper mass produced cannabis options. Um, But what olive oil do you choose and what bottle of wine do you buy or, you know, what coffee do you get and what are you willing to pay for that? Um, These are all things I think that have, have similar potential. Yeah. Have similar potential grading differences. And I think it's fine that, you know, mid quality or lower quality cannabis is, is, is acceptable for the masses that, that actually is what we would expect to happen as this this market matures. There's still going to be plenty of room for craft producers, just like there is in beer or wine or olive oil or any of these other things. And the best quality, the best quality products always come out of them. But I, I, I think it's it, it's never going to be the case that sort of all consumers are preferring the the top quality products. And what we well, call that's, that's obvious. Now, that's the and what, that's that's obvious. But what I'm saying is, look, 20 years ago, I mean, I, I, okay, I've been involved in weed my entire life since 10th grade, all right? And I'm not talking just like a little bit here, all right? I've been doing this my entire life. When we were growing up, when I was in high school, if you could even find a good bag of weed, it was 40 bucks for three grams. Now, people go into a store and they, they want to spend an $50 ounce. Every other thing in the history of time Gallon of gas is three thirty. Now I get it. There's people out there that don't want to spend money, but yeah, I, I stand by what I said. And you I know, follow hey, you to a point on that. Listen, no, I, hold on. If people want to buy an ounce for fifty bucks, that is totally fine with me. I have no problem with it. Buy whatever you want to buy. I get that. But what I'm saying is, that's what people are going to produce. If that's what you want, there will just like you said, there will always be people that sell, you know, micro brew and high-end whiskey, and everything. You, you ever see a Lamborghini commercial? No, because they sell themselves to the people that want them. So, right. yeah, I get it. I get that. But I'm just saying, 
there is a line, you know, you're not going to get, you, you can't expect to get an ounce of weed from Brandon for 40 or 50 bucks, you know, not, not in this market, but to be honest, all of those prices that we're familiar with are so sort of artificially inflated by the legal regime. Um, comparing this to, to any kind of other agricultural commodity that didn't face similar prohibition pro forces, um, the prices of cannabis are astronomical across the board. Um, so if we, in a hypothetical world, removed sort of the, that legal regime, um, and I think it's really, it's not a fair comparison to refer to like black market weed in the 80s or 90s or whatever, um, to like a fully matured legal market, because the prices are so jacked up for the legal risk factor um, in that, or the prices are so jacked up because of the tax scheme or other, you know, licensing restrictions or other things in the legal regimes, um, that $50 for an ounce of anything would have to be like damn hard to actually grow from just an agricultural perspective of um, production perspective. Um, the prices are still sort of through the roof in terms of for cannabis. Currently. The, the sword of Damocles hangs heavy above my head and I must let Kyle uh, outro out. Kyle. Yes. Uh I, uh, yeah, my opinion on all that is I, I, I feel both of you guys. And uh, yeah, uh, I love hearing you guys talk, man. I still love doing this. Um, I do got to leave it a little early. I got a bunch of stuff I got to take care of. Um, but yeah, if anyone's uh, looking forward to, uh, what was I looking forward to? If anyone's interested in uh, the drop I have coming up, uh, it's our first reg seed drop, which is a uh, traditional seeds, male and female. That's uh, the 31st at 10 a.m. Eastern time. Um, I have a website, purebreeding.com. If you're interested in, in buying some seeds, I do have that as well. And if anyone has questions or concerns or want to chat, uh, feel free to reach yeah. out on Instagram. But you just can't talk about So a lot of people have been reaching out about like business questions. And uh, unfortunately, if I don't answer you or it seems like I'm giving you a weird response because Instagram uh, does monitor that stuff. Because I actually said something about I, I used the word dollars or money and it wasn't even like about like real business. And Instagram like sent me a message about it. So uh, just try I Anything about cannabis related, I'm cool with. If it's like money, you're going to have to email me. Um, pure breeding, the letter M, the letter A at gmail.com. But other than that, I'm glad we're all safe and still doing our thing. And uh, I'll see you guys uh, on Sunday next week. I appreciate it. And as one door closes, another opens. We actually have um, Steve Reisner, Houghton Ponics. Hello. Steve. I was just out in Tecumseh today looking at property out there because i'm trying to find my own piece of land to also build a homestead nice and grow wheat of course better tornado proof it yeah i mean you know i've been out here two years and I haven't seen a tornado yet but yeah so I wouldn't I, know either. i'm starting to think i'm starting to think the oklahoma tornado is like the california earthquake uh, no well so the first year i came out here the first Two weeks I was out here, I, we, they had 14 tornado warnings and I saw four good funnel clouds. So it'll happen. It just, you know, it doesn't happen all the time. Same thing with the ice. <laughs> we'll, we'll get some real good ice storms out here too that are pretty gnarly. The last, last year in October, that was fucking crazy, dude. The trees hadn't even started. The leaves hadn't even fall in the middle of October. Sub-zero temperatures with rain. And so it created 
all of the fucking everything, all the plants were coated in like an inch thick ring of ice. And so everything broke. All the limbs broke because of all the weight of the frozen water on the trees. Power lines. It was fucking madness. It was crazy. It was the craziest those, thing you've ever seen. We get those almost every year in Michigan. Those fucking ice storms. And that's when the power goes out. <laughs> Usually. I don't know why they keep. Well, I don't know why they don't bury those fucking things. Okay, the reason I've been told was because then they would have a hard time getting to work in them. I'm like, put them in a fucking tunnel, man. You know what makes them really hard to work on? Them being destroyed every year. Actually, exactly. one of my favorite yes, It's words really is, just uh, a matter of cost. It's better to bury your yeah. utilities, but it's just more expensive. And so until it becomes so much more expensive to have to constantly repair them and having outages that you want to you want to bury them but a lot of a lot of cities around the country are trying to bury more of their utility lines one of my favorite words is actually rhyme in english which is r-i-m-e and that's like that ice that coats like when like a fog comes in and it gets sub you know sub temperatures and they just it just like free the air freezes and like into this like glassy encasement which i i very rarely get to experience i think that's just so cool it but, is absolutely uh, beautiful. It, right. Everything turns like white and uh, like, I don't know, like with when you get light shining through ice, it's that like bright white, like shiny. I don't yeah. Know. Shiny. <laughs> and, uh, speaking of which, Brennan and I will be getting together with um, Jordan River from Growcast on the 21st. Um, somewhere in Oklahoma City, I think we're still figuring out the location. So that'll be fun, too. They should just do it at the uh, at the farmers market, that brick building downtown. Yeah, I'll have to connect with you offline or uh, to finalize where we're going to do it at. But yeah, that'd be that'd be sweet. I know a couple places. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, looking forward to that. Always fun to get together, especially after uh, the last year and uh, all the craziness. It's fun to get together with the community again and, and do some live events. Yeah, I've had fun. I've gone to quite a few. Uh, Cowboy Cup. I went out to Emerald Cup. It was fun. Lots of fun. You describe an Emerald Cup as fun? You're not um, being harassed by the People's Republic of California. Uh, so <laughs> it has its it has its downfalls, but it's the only it's the only place in time where you can see, uh, you know, Green Bodie, Mean Gene, and uh, you know freaking everybody everybody that's everybody james bean and sungrown mids masonic everybody was there bro you know it's like all the people that i interact with uh like on social media uh it's just a, a time to be able to you can interact with them show face you know yeah hopefully hopefully what happened there doesn't um doesn't change the vibe too much although according to some people i've, t- I've talked to they say that uh the days of long past are long gone. We probably, we probably yeah. won't see that resurgence. Well, one of the things Sad. that you will see though is you'll private. see you'll see yes. the people who have True. been in this throwing events like they did that, um, like the ego clash, right? You'll see yeah. other states like Oklahoma, for instance. Uh, Oklahoma, we had um, uh, we had a cowboy the Cowboy Cup, and the Cowboy Cup is like the old days of the Emerald Cup, you know, where people are. Just you know, giving out dabs at the booths and people are sharing and kind of showing their work off. And it's, there's no one walking around fucking telling them, telling anybody that they can't consume or they can't share with others. Or that they're not allowed to have it 
which was uh, particularly ironic, deliciously, terribly ironic. Um, I hope they get, I mean, I hope that they get the appropriate response, which is that people, you know, react to this and give them a hard time for, you know, not even knowing their own lives. That is like supremely, like, if you want to have people lose credibility in your authority, that's the way to do it, right? Like, <laughs> maybe that's like right before, like intentionally not, well, maybe it was intentional. I don't want to say one way or the other, but I don't think it. I think it was literally a case of people thinking they had power they didn't, no, and because some that people is the knew tr- it. Well, that's the thing. Yeah. It, if it was one person, but it wasn't just one person. It was literally a group of well-known cultivators and people that are in the cannabis community. You know, so it's it wasn't like uh, like an isolated incident. Cause they had their bags. It was every, a lot everybody else's tricks. And I talked to plenty of people where they're like, Oh, they fucking took my seed packs. I was like, I would have fucking told those dudes to fuck off. You and did. Yeah. Exactly. And it was, but it was also really nerve wracking for my lady because she's, you know, she saw me get like pulled out of the car not so long ago. And then so having to deal with, law enforcement in any capacity is like very kind of it's kind of traumatizing definitely well and you never know and like and like (laughs) you know if it happened to certain people in certain other contexts like it does happen every day of every year you know the united states of america uh that could have gone a lot worse well think for for everyone involved if you look up there they were carrying bags that had shit in it so they'd gotten yeah, some they, people. Yeah, they how are they? From some people. They how did, are they reporting? Well, the how are they reporting that they didn't do that? <laughs> like we said earlier last time, it's just... it was the weirdest thing too. Because like the stuff that they had, it wasn't like they had like like they were confiscating illicit material. They literally had like single fucking uh, dube tubes and freaking single seed packs and shit. Like what the like these dudes are literally just walking around trying to rip people off like i'm gonna like you can't share those seeds that you made at home give me those like what the fuck it's crazy truly truly crazy the, the green jackets the green jackets uh, well the green well, shirts i the think shirts. all of all the media covered it pretty well i think uh and hopefully the blowback because they had that ridiculous comment afterward press conference but uh i think at least they'll know to not act like complete thugs next time. I mean, the, the blowback was enough, I think, at least. Even though I'm not condoning anything they did, I think they were completely in the wrong. But at least hopefully now, because of the, the community's response, and can you imagine if this was like an alcohol event and not a cannabis event, how that would have went down, that situation right there. Yeah. <laughs> well, right? Everybody, let's say the, the situation was everybody was – was drinking and not smoking and then a bunch of yeah mobbed up were taking all your guys' beers the fuck you are and everybody <laughs> courage too so it would just turn into a whole whole mess yeah hostage situations notwithstanding one of the things i appreciate about former president carter was uh signing the 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 home brewing uh allowing people to homebrew at home i think uh you wouldn't expect well, currently we're expecting that from uh, from a president now about uh, cannabis legalization for multiple years. But um, I'm pretty sure that dude's not there. 
Oh, Biden's not going to do it. No, it doesn't seem that way. I'm not sure. Like, all the video that I've seen of the guy, he's so incoherent. It's shocking. The the worst part of it is this. There can't be any presidential debate. There cannot be any type of open debate when somebody doesn't have the capacity to communicate, right? And that, I think, is the the reason why he is the president is because it eliminates anybody to have any type of conversation uh, at any intellectual level. I probably shouldn't have mentioned uh, Jimmy Carter. Let's not get into a political tirade, please. At least, the, at least I don't want to, I don't want this show going down. Or you know how you know how litigious some of these entities are. I probably don't have to remind anyone. But um, yeah, let's go I, rust. That's right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, I I do feel like it, it's kind of dire, and I and I and I don't think that. Um, It's a, it is a little bit depressing, but um, are there other events that we, I mean, it was a good point that Brandon made up, um, not only just in Oklahoma, but does anyone know any cool, like, replacements that people go to in California? Maybe even some private ones, as Spartan mentioned. Regen conference is coming up, the science. Oh, Regen. of course, of course. Yeah. Uh, that's going to be a really good one. I'll, I'll be at all four of those. That'll be a lot of fun. Those are in multiple places, right? There's Humble. Yes, awesome. Yeah, Humboldt last weekend of January, Michigan last weekend of February, or is it Maine this last weekend of February? Yeah, no, no, Maine's in March. So yeah, uh, February is uh, Michigan last weekend in Michigan. And then um, April is Oklahoma. So that'll be a lot of fun. I'm speaking at the one in Oklahoma, not in the other ones. Yeah, it's by far my favorite conference. You'll learn more at that conference than you did at like the last five years of most other conferences. <laughs> Especially so many there. conferences are just not worth it, in my yeah. experience. Uh, except for the networking. But um, yeah. Uh, they have a, a big seed swap on Sunday and stuff like that. So, you know, bring stuff to share and you'll uh, you'll end up having a good day. There's, all, last... you know, there's also... There's also champs you know in vegas that's a huge show that a lot of companies end up going to is there uh, something unique you like about it no i've never been there i'm just saying that's oh another, that's another like big trade show that's cannabis and industry cannabis industry related i know uh wendy kornberg has her conference in february up in massachusetts i think it is um, that would be another one that I would recommend people checking out. Um, it's the Organic Cannabis Something Conference. I don't remember the name of it. I apologize, Wendy, but uh, that's another one if people are looking for good resources from good you know, people that know what they're doing. One of the things to get back to the Regenerative Conference, the one that I thought was cool was that's on the second day, I believe, when the panel all comes together all at once and has like the round, round robin or whatever it is. That's the fucking best one. It's like this show, but you're sitting there watching. <laughs> is it the Organic Cultivators Supernatural Conference? Supernatural? That sounds awesome already. Apparently, uh, it's going to be out of this world. Um, I'm, wonderful. I'm seeing uh yeah <laughs> i'm seeing uh wendy kornberg yeah interdimensional there we go 
Um, yeah, Organic Cultivator Supernatural Conference, three days of regenerative cannabis and farming education and story, um, February 11th, for those interested. I am not endorsed by this group. But uh, yeah, that's interesting. Very interesting, interesting name. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it instantly wants me, I'm already wanting to know more. That's how, that's how you're supposed to title things, not... Um, not uh, not esoterically, but a way that people actually care about. I've learned yeah. that. <laughs> I've learned that one the hard way. Still haven't learned it totally, actually. The other thing I would say, too, is, is like, look, if you don't, if you're especially in a newer market, you know, find a grocery store like I was able to find when I was down in Durant um, before I moved up to Oklahoma City. We just found a hookah, uh, hookah place that allowed us to meet once a month. And I just ran a little cannabis grow club and we just had a, gr a grow club for the local breeders uh, to get together and talk about their different problems and stuff like that. And sometimes that can be a great way to find out about local insects, local diseases, local challenges uh, that people face. And just a great way to kind of get some cool local genetics as well. And there's a lot of different smaller groups. If you look around online uh, that meet here and there. Uh, and I think people often don't, you know, think about that. I know one of, there used to be a really cool one in Denver in one of the warehouses. There was a nutrient company. I don't even think they're around anymore, but they used to have a part of their warehouse and they'd have a meeting once a month and have soda and stuff and, you know, snacks and all people would bring, it was like a potluck uh, and people would just kind of talk about whatever they wanted to talk about um, and, uh, and could give a little presentation if they wanted to. It was really kind of a cool experience. So Definitely encourage people to, to try and do that. You can even meet at libraries and other things. Um, you know, lots of different places uh, have open spaces that you can do that kind of stuff. So definitely encourage people to, you know, build their own community if they don't have a, a really solid one locally. You know, you can be the guy that, that starts the thing, you know. It's fucking the best idea ever, man. And that's kind of what we did with the here in Michigan with the Michigan Bros Grow Show. We just, you know, sequence and then Skillbo, they got together and I think they brought abolished in and. And everybody just jumped in and we're a little like-minded. We don't agree on everything, but it's still like the cool thing is we're tied together locally. Like we, within a couple hours of each other, we're all pretty close except for Dan and Terry who are way the fuck up North, but it's cool to have a little community to rely on or to trade back and forth with, or to go in together. Well, one cool thing is, is we get uh, orders of predator bugs on the cheap. It's pretty goddamn cheap because we all go together and order enough that like, what we would order at, you know, a big facility or something, you order in the same amount, you get a nice break. And, uh, you know, just that things awesome. like that. Yeah, that things like awesome, that. It's, it's fucking, it's super cool. And we just happen to throw a camera up and do a show every, every fucking week too <laughs> to hang yeah. out. But it's, it's fucking, it works. And it's, I'd encourage everybody to do that shit. It's fucking awesome. Also, it can be a great way to get people like their first set of seeds. I know, like, Pretty much every single meeting when I was doing it down in Durant was people, hey, you know, I don't have seeds, but I'm, I'm wanting to start to grow because X, Y, Z reason. And it's always a great way to just get some people just the, the first thing they needed to get into, you know, the passion that we're all so into every week, you know. And um, I don't know, sometimes just being able to start that spark is just really fun, too. We're just having this, a new grower and, and listening to them come and talk about that every week and what they're doing. And you, you hear that, like the beginner's passion. And it's just, it fucking lights a fire in your own ass. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, you, you, you know, it is fucking awesome to grow. I don't know if I'll ever Heck stop. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's part of the, it's part of the magic just to be able to grow the shit, to be honest. Yeah. And having that close community uh, feeling is something that, uh, you know, I, I, 
and I've talked about it on like the future canvas project and stuff too, or when we talk about community, um, you know, that's, uh, I don't I don't mean to sound like, like there isn't one, but people have different ones. And I think that uh, it's sort of a mistake sometimes to assume that different groups have the exact same parameters and feelings about certain things. But when you're able to like create a group where all of you are kindred in that way, um, it's a really great feeling, very unique. I, um, you know, I really feel like I get that close with that many people when it comes to like things like high-minded stuff about how I think things should be grown and whether we're even in a particular situation where we can do that, you know? So I, I totally have to agree with that Spartan. Are your uh, buddies up in the fingertips of Michigan? Um, yeah, actually Dan and Tara are probably a drive and they'd be at the the northern shores of the southern peninsula of michigan yes so i'd say they were they were definitely but tara i just saw her a few days ago she stopped by to say so i mean she is crazy she's driving she's still her um her man has a house in ohio i believe so he's still in the process of selling that so they're going back and forth anyway and i guess i'm kind of the midway point so they stopped and visited for a little while. It was awesome to see them. But that's what I mean. It's just like, it's like a family. It's like an extended family to have, you know, like-minded people, like you're saying. I don't know. It's it's like a superpower, honestly. Um, it, it doesn't matter what kind of uh, whatever befalls you. There's always, seems like always there's someone there to catch you. So, I mean. They say, really they say that. Uh, Someone's come up there. Someone could come with bail, exactly. At least, or at least, at the very least, they can that's, fucking come water your plants for you. Exactly. <laughs> that's where, exactly. That's where they become family when they when they bail you out. <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah, we we really need that resilience. We need to be like a, my silly little network, right? If I wanted to be. Oh, for sure. And and just another thing is is like news and information, like that it's so important like for example a, a new product comes out you know you can put, put into a chat and instantly get feedback yeah i've tried that this is what i had this is my experience with it that's invaluable for somebody when you're i mean you could go broke buying products for cannabis i mean for mm -hmm. sure and you can go the opposite end of the spectrum too so it's nice to get people's perspectives without having to go out there and buy every single fucking thing out there and trying it out because believe me i want to I definitely want to. I just want to see what it does, but I can't afford to. So it's nice to be able to have that aspect of it too. It's like, and then pheno hunting. Oh, if I have something that I know somebody else like, I mean, I'm getting ready to pop it. I'm like, hey, you want to pop half a pack or you want to split this? Or I've given out whole packs to people and just say, bring me back your keeper. You know what I mean? That's fucking awesome to be able to just run through packs quickly like that if you need to. Yeah, you know what's crazy is I saw somebody that had posted one of the TK, TK, NL5, Hayes times Lime 1. Um, and he's like, yeah, dude, this one is just completely different from all the other ones. And he, the profile that he described sounded amazing. It's like, you know, being able to, and you know. And then get that bag, you know, be able to reciprocate that yeah. love back and get a fucking cutting or something of that fucking pheno. That's it's fucking amazing. It's fucking great to be able to work together. That's how the little guy competes with the big guys right there. That kind of stuff. It's pretty neat. Yeah. You can't directly compete with a, with such a larger like entity. You have to, 
you have to play you either have to play a different game or you got to get big two and between those two um pathways i feel like a lot of people the former is probably better in a lot of cases um at the really for your sanity and easiest for so yeah. particularly for that reason and the easiest way to do that too is just to have good connections and i find the easiest way to have good connections is be a good fucking human being and just get out there to these events and start you know saying hi to people that's not been my experience my experience is that if you're a total ass to a lot of people and um <laughs> you chase a lot of clout and you make a lot of memes um what happens you, then? Can, you can get pretty successful. You know what? I'm then not you, sure. Then you become a breeder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Stop buying Instagram followers. Exactly. That's right. And everyone knows that that's how, that's how we know who is the real deal. Because uh, that is definitely not a proxy and can't be altered at all or anything like that. There's no... Uh, <laughs> nope. No. Like I'm sure board. that... <laughs> Well, there's no secret sauce to it, man. It's all it is. Just be a good fucking human and it comes back around. That's really solid advice right there. And I totally agree. It's, it's uh, together strong. So your 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 net worth can only be as good as your network. Unless you're CEO. Or born like under the son CEO, of the CEO. You still need to know. You need there to you network to get there. That's true. That's true. Uh, unless you're yeah, Bobby Kotick of Blizzard. Social capital is important in almost every endeavor. Having the right relationships and being able to get the right information from the right people and all of that. You know, speaking of community, you brought up a really good point there, uh, Doctor, because. Um, you know, they say that the reason why humans are so good. Uh, with our syntax and grammar and speaking in our language, you know, I'm being, I'm being very oversimple here, but like compared to like chimpanzees, I think I've talked about it before. Like they've got these amazingly fast reaction times to certain things and like recognition. Yeah. Suppose, but supposedly we're so good at it. And I think you have special insight onto this, uh, but it's because we're social creatures, right? Uh, I don't, you know, I've heard that. Well, yeah. I mean, chimpanzees are also social creatures, but their, right, ability exactly. to, their ability to communicate is not at the same level as human beings. They they don't have the, the same language abilities. It's really what's interesting there has been the efforts to teach chimpanzees and bonobos language, um, either sign language or, well, different kinds of sign language. Um, and they're able to get chimpanzees up to about like a, a two or three-year-old level. Um, where they maxed out. They can't do the same kinds of symbolic thought. Um, they, they don't seem to have the ability to sort of represent ideas and objects with abstract concepts of words the way that, that we do. Um, and then to be able to put all of that together, those, those are pretty interesting and unique sort of human abilities. Um, the higher levels of language, the um, syntax and, um, you know, even sort of a lot of the semantics and what things mean in, in different ways. The fact that we can even split hairs at all, you know, the fact that there are hairs to split, maybe. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, and the fact that, that human language is like productive, we could make new novel sentences that have never been said before, um, like, 
you know, I want to eat lunch with a dolphin underwater or something. I don't know, whatever. Um, you can make up a that sentence. Surely has been said before. Yeah, surely. that probably has. <laughs> like on top of a mountain. Um, whatever it is, you don't have to have heard that sentence to be able to make perfect sense out of it. Each individual part has its own meaning that can be combined and recombined and infinite different ways to to express infinite different thoughts and communicate infinite different sort of possibilities. Um, that productivity of human language is really unique. Yeah. And I guess like to bring it back to our point, I, I feel like that's really interesting. And I think it's a, it's a critical thing to remember when it comes to things like talking about community and our feelings about it and, and that sort of a thing and, and what we want to do and accomplish socially. Yeah, it uh, is our number one skill. That ability exactly. to communicate is, is human sort of special skill. It's what makes us unique as humans compared to like any other animal in the world. And it's absolutely because we depend on community in order to survive. We depend on a network around us in order to do pretty much anything. In, in almost any situation, a human depends on others to, to get everything that they need to survive in, in a way that most other organisms really don't. Most other organisms are more sort of generalists and they able they do everything for themselves. Um, Almost no human does that. And that's how we specialize. That's how we, we've been able to sort of create our own unique niche. It's all through collaboration. It's all through being able to work together to be able to communicate your goals to other people and to be able to, to share those goals, to be able to internalize other people's goals as your, your own. We're far less self-interested in a sort of the narrow sense than most other animals are. Um, it's sort of ironic that people always think about how self-interested humans are when, when we're really the, the animal that has the capacity to, to empathize and to, to work together with other people and to really honestly care about the, the people that we're working with, whether or not it benefits us. As the uh, indomitable Hideo Kojima once said in a tweet, uh, the, the theme of one of his games is the idea of gene to meme to scene. And I forget the other two or three or whatever, but like there's this like movement between, you know, like a physiological substrate that becomes what we know is like, like you're saying, like social, like social cues and communication signals. In fact, uh, when we talk about ecology, when I'm talking about the semantics of parasite versus mutualists and how sometimes these can actually change to be from a bad to a good or a good to a bad, like a lot of that, all of it basically is mediated through one way or another, what we would call like signals, signaling, communication, ecology. And I've definitely said that multiple times already, but I love that. Uh, I love that point because it, it brings together. I mean, growing up, I was told things like this, like, you know, very Saturday school special sort of way of like, you know, working together is like the baseline of like humanity and like communicating with everyone. Like, that's how you do things. Uh <laughs> It's really true. It's really yeah. true. It's very true. And I think it was easy to kind of gloss it and like not take it seriously, I think. And I think I'm rediscovering the importance of that when I see how everything else does it too. Yeah. The way we collaborate is what makes us, what makes humans humans. It's what makes us unique. And it, it is our our super skill, our special skill. Um, and we turn away from it at our own peril. I mean, as we always come across this, you know, it's better when we work together. It's better when we share information. It's better when you have friends to help you. Um, and it just is, that's how humans are designed to work. 
anyone make any cool communications right now? I know I've been bogarting the conversation a bit. Bad host, I know. I actually have to jump out a little early because today on the Michigan Bros Grow Show, we're debuting a new software that I haven't downloaded anything for. So I want to jump in like I kind of my <laughs> my habit is and be like, all right, guys, what do I got to do? <laughs> like half hour before the show is supposed to start and see if I can figure this out. Look at that. That's the exact teamwork we're talking about. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So, yeah, I'll just say thanks, guys, for the show. Uh, happy holidays. I mean, I'm surprised how many people are able to show up today. So this was fucking amazing to have nearly an entire panel. And shout out to fucking Steve. It's always a pleasure to see you, dude. And uh, happy holidays, everybody in chat. And I didn't think, oh, fuck the MCMA. You guys know you have power, man. Later, man. Very love, Spartan. Merry Christmas. Well, then, does anyone else have any cool, unique communications they want to make? Something that's burning their uh, their passion? Six seconds is probably long enough. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> No, um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I mean, I really like that. I have to echo that statement from Spartan. I'm, I'm glad that so many people. Doctor, you even said that you weren't going to necessarily be on uh, for the whole time, too. So, yeah, I, I got, I got family over. Uh, you know, it's the holidays. I, I, I like being here. I like chatting with the community, <laughs> obviously, stories. So, um, I kind of ditched them, and I was thinking that you know, if the show didn't go well, I'd probably bail early, but. It's been it's been interesting enough, so I'm sticking around at this point. They'll have to wait for me. I think they're probably listening, so they're probably getting a big kick out of it. I think they got a, a big kick um, earlier about um, the the butter and the cookies too. So oh, that's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Me but as it's well. Fun. It's fun. I got a. I'm getting a new toy soon. Um, I can tell everybody about. It. I'm getting a dab press, so I'm pretty excited about that. It's waiting for me right now i have to go pick it up um i already played around with it a little bit um the ceo of magobe actually came over to my house a couple weeks ago um wanted to to demonstrate this dub press he was traveling around he went to the emerald cup and a few other things in california um and so we played with it and then he had to take it with him to go up to the conferences. Um, but he left it for me. So I could go pick it up in Los Angeles. Um, that's pretty cool. A 10 ton dab press that, um, yeah, I, I mean, like, I'm, I feel like that, that's my big Christmas present. Rad. Those are a lot of fun. You can make some awesome concentrates or some live flower rosin, whatever. Floats your boat, bowl toppers, dabs. Yeah, we pressed some, we pressed some like, I don't know, 18 month old flower that I had in a jar just as sort of a demonstration run when he was here um, and produced a lot of really good rosin. I mean, I was, I was sort of impressed and, and the little sort of like hockey puck size piece of basically paper at the end of it. Um, but that was enough that I've been, you know, dabbing a little bit with that and now i gotta get my my go get it and pick it up and and start really using it my plants that i've been growing in the the ptgc just about um ready to come down to so i'll have some fresher flower to work with i actually don't know this um but like what's the typical 
like yield for like rosin? I guess it really depends on the product, right? That you're using. We were getting so, about 25% by weight. So um that's that's off of a flower rosin that's yeah it was it was flour and there were there were good flowers really dry too so um you know like i said 18 months i mean they were kept at about 60 percent humidity but it had been a while um and they yielded about like 24 25 percent i heard somebody else was going to say something do they have a did you guys have a similar yeah. Okay, so for like high quality rosin that's usually washed from live live material or fresh material, fresh frozen material, you uh, people won't usually wash varieties that do less than four percent. Um, and then that's after they wash the hash. Four percent what? Just free four percent total return right okay. like in a jar so if they take uh let's say a thousand grams of material and they end up with 40 grams out of that material at the very end after it's been washed after they freeze dry the heads and then press the heads that's what that's like decent return holy grail numbers are like six and a half seven percent return at the end how how wet is that or how dry is that going in though brandon okay so it has zero moisture when it gets pressed it has no moisture because it's been freeze dried so what they right. do is they'll whip up the the whip up uh, some ice hash with the fresh material right They'll collect those heads. They'll freeze dry it for however long it needs to be freeze dried for. Um, and then they'll press that. So the press off of that material should be 4% of the total volume that went in. So between 40 to 60 grams for every, I think, thousand. Yeah. No. I think my math is wrong. I'm getting a little bit lost. I don't have to do some more testing with it um, and be really careful with sort of the weights. It, it's kind of tough because, you know, the resin rosin squeezes out. You got to tear the scale back um, and you're dealing with fairly small amounts. So rounding can make a big difference in, in some of those measurements. So I am curious to see what sort of the yield is from different sort of treatments going in i don't have a freeze dry i don't need one of those crap it's always something else yeah it would be like 40 grams off of a thousand grams of material that would be four percent so um you know and I, this is not meant to be super pedantic it's just out of ignorance but um uh, you know you made a good question or you made a good question when you talked about uh, how much moisture there is and you said there's zero but obviously there's some level of water so i'm just having a hard time understanding. I don't want to put anyone on a point. If anyone has a good answer to that, like. So what they're, what they're no, doing they is. freeze dry the resin. Freeze drying it. Yeah, we'll, yeah. We'll get oh, your right. moisture okay. content down to pretty much zero. I was missing that crucial bit of context. I see now. Okay. Yeah. Which is also going to reduce the, the 
the dry weight going in though. I'm trying to just sort of right. reconcile these numbers in my own no, head. Brand, Brandon's talking about when it's fresh frozen, it still have all the moisture in it. Right. So that's when they, that's and, the and your total yield in. is from that fresh frozen, you're getting yeah. 4% at the, at the final end. So I'm trying to figure yeah. out what jar, the water jar, weight was. Jar, like, so your return weight off of like your, uh, your hash material, that'll, it, it should be, it would be like, uh, like seven, it'd probably be about double what your jarred weight would be. So you get about 50% of what you get, um, uh, of rosin from your, from your hash. Does that make sense? Um, no, because it seems like that's too little. Yeah. If you have, if you have hash, Really? You lose 50% when you press it in a, in a rosin press? I think the return from hash is higher than that. Yeah, I agree with you, ATG. Or, sorry. <laughs> no worries. <NTG. laughs> but but maybe maybe Brandon knows more than... than it can't be half uh, lipids and waxes in the resin glands, or maybe it is. Well, they're just filtering out, you know, all of the additional stuff after they've collected those heads if it's really high quality hash they're pressing pretty much nothing but heads right, you know there right, shouldn't be right. any, mm-hmm. any stocks in there right um, so that would be like a 90 yeah. percent return on on a hash pressing right i guess it depends on where i don't know what the numbers would be from like hash to rosin but I'm okay sure okay it's, I not, it's not a huge amount it's not like you're getting you know, 50% of what you're pressing from bubble hash or heads is going to be rosin, you know? I think yeah. it would be more, more than that, right? It, than that. Yeah. The weight of what wasn't hash or what wasn't the rosin would be very low. I mean, almost everything would squeeze out of that. <laughs> yeah, I was uh, getting confused because I was thinking of um, when you just press straight flour and, um, you know, I guess it depends obviously if you remove all of that and you concentrate it and then you do the press like that's going to be a totally different beast yeah and it depends where where you're what you're weighing from you know what's the input weight and what's the output weight and yeah. weight's really going to be the only way to to be able to measure it um but it, i mean this has me really interested now i'm going to try pressing a bunch of different varieties at, at different sort of stages and doing it with different treatments and seeing what the what the ratios you're able to really get are. And, you know, the other factors that make a big difference is the amount of pressure that you apply and the sort of temperature that you're applying it with. So it'll be interesting to play around with. It was, uh, so when people talk about hash plants, um, I mean, does anyone have any hash plants they really like and what makes them particularly desirable? It's all that, uh, all those trichomes, right? Yeah. It's like the really frosty plants. Does anybody grow plants and, and harvest it primarily for hash? I don't actually think I know too many people or anybody off the top of my head that does that. I know a few people, and uh, it's always interesting to hear about. So typically with the hash varietals, you usually have more open flower structures and not quite those, you know, tighter nugs. You don't really care mm-hmm. if they're more open. Uh, you know, it allows for more airflow and less chance of, you know, pathogen issues. 
Um, so those are, and then higher trichome density. And then often, you know, people also uh, um, regularly pick the ones that get the trichomes on the leaves and the stems and stuff like that a little bit more um, than some of the other cultivars. Obviously all cannabis does that, but um, some of them definitely express it a lot heavier, on, uh, you know, across the whole top of the plant versus some of the others. Yeah, yeah exactly what you said. The, um, <laughs> I don't do it specifically for hash, but I always like plants with a lot of resin on them. You know, that doesn't hurt for smoking joints either. But if airiness is uh, supposedly a really good trait for doing the, the wash because the water can get in there and knock the resin glands off of those pieces. But if you use trim to make bubble hash, I mean, I guess it's lower quality though, but it all comes off because it's all exposed to the water pretty much. I wonder what the platonic ideal of like a hash plant would be. Like what would be the quality, what would be your like perfect qualities for a hash plant? Yeah, I think Bonnie brought up a big good point with the open calyx structure, the open flowers. Right. Um, they kind of look like foxtails, but they're not really foxtails. Um, but they expose a lot more surface area to be potentially harvested for trichomes. I could have one of my hash maker friends come on next weekend. I would also just point out, I don't mind smoking those plants either that have the open galaxies. I think that they're not maybe sometimes as pretty um, and people often think that it's a problem think that those are foxtails and that something bad happened to the bud but um if it's not if that's just sort of the way that that plant grows i have no problem smoking them they can be wonderful i've hung yeah. out with enough cultivators where it's like even sometimes untrimmed stuff that like you know wouldn't look fragrant you know you have to process it a bit still smokes great like i don't know it's kind of like when you have stuff at your i'm sure everyone here who home grows relates like you know, sometimes you get like your own fruits and veggies and, you know, they might not look like store quality, but they still are fine. Some of the uh, flowers that have the terpene profiles that I like the most have um, uh, bud structures, flower structure that's not, that's not really appealing for like, you know, a market condition, really airy, like they don't get dense or they don't produce a lot, but they, but they're pretty usually resinous and, and they have a really strong aroma. Yeah, I guess yeah, I a... hear you. I, I like some of those buds too. And this gets back to our earlier conversation about like, if we want to be able to, to market products like that for what they really are, that just requires a lot of consumer education. I mean, you have to be, you have to be able to know enough to know, look at that sort of like wispy plant or whatever, and know that there's actually something really desirable about it. Yeah, that might be a bit of a counter, kind of like how there's like tons of cultivars of apples, right? But like most of the ones people interact with is just a small selection. And there's even some really rare ones that might only have like a few populations that exist anymore. And they might have really unique flavors and qualities, but they're for whatever reason, you know, they're yeah. just not marketable. Uh, well, the reason the reason there for most fruits is their transportability. Um, yeah, there's right. so many apple varieties and plantain or banana varieties that are like so much better than the ones that we get at the store, but they just won't make it to the store. Exactly. Um, and you have to get them from your, your local farmer's market or whatever. That makes the market size much, much smaller. Yeah, absolutely. I'll never hey, forget mangoes. the first 
so many good mangoes and oh, um, yeah. tunas, you know, sweet sop, sour sop. They don't transport well. Oh, I'm going to start uh, growing mangoes. I'm so excited about starting to grow mangoes. I'm going to grow mangoes and passion fruit, um, putting them in soon. Yeah. We live in like sort of the, the little um, climatic oasis that you can grow those kinds of tropical fruits. And um, there's very few areas in continental United States, but this is one of them. And I'm going to take advantage of that. Make a nice tropical smoothie that way. I'm a big fan of passion fruit myself. And speaking of banana cultivars, I remember having a, from the California Rare Fruit Growers Association, they, um, which I recommend if you have a Rare Fruit Growers Association in the U.S. and you're interested, you should definitely uh, become a part of one, a chapter in your area, because uh, you often get cultivars and cuttings and things for that are steel. And I got this ice cream banana, and it was just. Um, it was so good. It really did taste yeah. like vanilla ice cream. I was shocked. I was. Is that shocked. a Hawaiian cultivar? They have the one in. in I don't Hawaii know. I don't. That, that really tastes like. I mean, it tastes like you're eating ice cream. Um, very perishable. They they really can't be. You can't ripen them remotely, and you can't ship them when they're ripe. Yeah, and uh, actually, the yellow the yellow dragon fruit that I got from that group uh, is currently growing uh, quite a bit with all the rain lately. So I'm very excited about that. Yeah. I'm so excited about this. And I was thinking I had to wait until, till spring to start doing it, but I'm like, screw it. Like that's the whole point of this climate zone is it never gets below freezing. So to be able to start going shortly here. So I'm kind of motivated to to put in my, probably the, the Monaco. Yeah. The uh, passion fruit will be, first in that's a vine plant and i got a place to put it so i'm ready to go uh so does jack normally have us do outros to the 10 minute mark or more like the five minute mark I'm, i forget i'm about i'm about ready to go because i got some other stuff i got to take care of so. <laughs> yeah we can let brandon out the door yeah it doesn't matter i don't think matthew I, we've we've done a, a yeoman's a job here and you've done it thank you for stepping <laughs> in being host um thank you you know the the audience should be just happy that we were able to get a, a show together without our normal host at all. So it's all that bonus. makes sense. That that is true. That is true. You better appreciate it. No. Um, so yeah, uh, Brandon, have the outro. Uh, it was nice having you on. I always appreciate your perspective. Thanks. Yeah, I'm always happy to be here. It's good to uh, see and talk to you too, Steve. I know you. Uh, only uh, hop in every once in a while, but always good to talk to the rest of the panel members too. And um, yeah, anybody listening, my website is up, mokashiearthworks.com. And uh, you can just check me out on Instagram too. So I'll see you guys all next week. I see you then. Girl, love, Brandon. Later, man. Peace out, Brandon. I just got a quick question I can address in the, the chat. Somebody was asking if I could explain the, the New Year's Grow Challenge groups oh, a sure. bit, which I'm, I'm happy to, to do and remind everybody that this starts in six days and we're dropping seeds and everybody is encouraged to grow together. It's free to join. There's no catches, but there are awesome prizes. Um, we're doing our groups based on media type. And um, we've never done this before. Um, we want to make sure that it doesn't sort of become, you know, like a battle between the different medias, but 
we want to show that, you know, everybody's welcome at Cocoa for Cannabis, first of all, regardless of media. And I think it'll be really interesting to, to see how the different groups do things differently and how their plans grow differently when they're sorted that way. Um, but we're going to try to keep it really friendly and collaborative, as, as we always do. Our groups are, um, well, there's a group just for cocoa. There's a group for water, if you're in DWC or any other kind of hydroponic method. Um, and then there's groups for soil and peat. And we have been getting some questions about soil versus peat. Um, and this is because a lot of people that grow in peat call their media soil. And a lot of companies that sell peat call it soil or label it as some kind of soil. Um, so peat is, uh, you know, organic matter um, that is harvested, that's mined. Um, and it's the, the basic substrate for most of what we in, in horticulture call soil. Um, soil properly is dirt. It's stuff that is on the ground. It's made up of sand, silt, and clay. Um, and some growers grow in soil-based media, but that sand, silt, and clay would be the, the primary ingredients in that. It would not be peat as the primary ingredient. So these are some of the fun things that we'll learn in this year's NYGC as we sort of understand more about the different media um, and about things that are different with different media. A lot of people that are growing in peat think it's soil. They don't realize that they're growing in a soil-less media and sort of other things that are potentially available to them in that media. Um, so that's it. I hope everybody joins us. We're doing a big giveaway in, in a couple of weeks in. We got three big photon tech fixtures that everybody that's in the New Year's Grow Challenge is going to be eligible to win. So sign up, cocoforcannabis.com forward slash challenge. Yeah, well, uh, I mean, it's, it's always good to get that um, aspect because people hear a lot about the forums and about the, um, the different projects or that they are, exist, but it's nice to get a little bit extra detail. So I really appreciate that, even for my own edification. Absolutely. Um, and I appreciate you facilitating that. I, I do agree that there's a little bit of dogma there. And I have my own biases about what I think ideally maybe things should be like, but I also have, you know, I'm not, I don't think that makes me better than others or anything like that. You yeah, it's, what it's you got. really fun to see the variety in life, you know, and to see people doing different things. And, and that's, that's really what this is all about. You learn so much about your own grow and the way you're growing, um, no matter what, no matter how you're growing, when you're growing alongside of a few hundred other people that are all growing at the same time, we're going to have several hundred people growing with us in this year's New Year's Grow Challenge. So it, it's just a, a lot of fun. You see how your plants stack up. You see what you're doing really well. Um, and you learn a bunch of new tips and tricks from people, regardless of the media that they're growing in. With that, I think we do have about that time. We should probably start uh, with our outros. Um, does anyone have anything they want to say before then? All right. Well, uh, Dr. MJ, do you want to? Oh, I saw you. I saw you unmute. I saw you unmute, Steve. I was going to say, uh, we don't have drug problems. We have drug solutions. If you don't make cannabinoids, store-bought is fine too. Or homegrown.
And now that's a symbiology question or symbology. Yeah, no symbiology question or a conversation to have later. <laughs> so, um, uh, Dr. MJ, you want to outro? Sure. Grow with love, everyone. Merry Christmas. I hope everybody has a happy new year, whether you're going to grow with us in the New Year's Grow Challenge or not. We do all sort of gather in the, the Cocoa for Cannabis chat room at um, midnight Eastern time on New Year's Eve um, to drop seeds for the New Year's Grow Challenge if you're interested in doing that. But you can start them at any time after that. Um, learn more about all this at CocoaForCannabis.com, CocoaForCannabis.com forward slash challenge. Check out my YouTube page at Dr. MJ Coco. I'm doing uh, a video right now. I'm, I'm comparing the nine five by five grow lights, um, grow lights for five by five coverage. I've tested nine of them in the last year. So I'm doing a comparison of those for components, build quality, performance, um, and cost. And it should be interesting. I think that's going to be out before New Year's. And I look forward to seeing everybody next week. Grow or love. Take it easy, man. Yeah, growers love. And um, second, how about uh, you, Noah? I really enjoyed uh, what you were talking about earlier. Um, how are you doing? I'm and, doing uh, great. And uh, yeah, totally. Um, and I was just going to clarify. Yeah, I, anybody can grow anywhere they want and anybody can buy anything they want. You know, and obviously that's obvious, but, you know, I'm a little biased. I, I try and do things the best that I can. And that's why I'm here. I love being around all you guys, guys that are, you know, at what I've always said at ninja level. And uh, I love picking up little tips and tricks and I'm glad that I was brought here. And uh, yeah, I've known to grow on Instagram with two E's. You can find me there anytime. And I'm always here and uh, see you guys all next week. You're an important part of the cannabis ecosystem as far as I'm concerned. Everyone here on this panel. Um, so, uh, Tao, how are you? Oh, God. I'm doing good. Yeah, sorry I wasn't more uh, talkative today. You know, it's all, it always depends on how the high hits me, whether I am don't shut up or I uh, just sit back and listen. And it was good listening tonight, mostly. And uh, I agree with Spartan on the, um, you know, Cannabis affects everybody so differently that this one kid I knew, the shit would knock me the fuck out. He would smoke it and he'd be like ready to run a marathon. So I always remember that. And you got to remember that and how it hits everybody different. And um, yeah, it's always good to hang out with everyone on the panel. Thanks for taking over the reins, um, Matthew Gates. And thanks for hanging out, Paul and Panics. And Doc and Noah, it's always good to see you and everyone in chat. I'm glad I was there for a minute. I've been multitasking and watering and stuff. So, um, but yeah, always good to be here. Peace out, everyone. Have a great, and I hope everyone had a great Christmas. If we don't see it, 2022 is going to be the year for you. Let's get it. Absolutely. That sounds nice. No, I definitely get it. And I totally, I totally agree with that. Um, that variety is interesting. So uh, who do we have left? Just me? Oh, no, Steve. <laughs> um, you guys can find me at uh, the um, Growing With Fishes podcast on your favorite podcast app. Um, you can also find me uh, over at uh, APMJ class and APMJnutes.com if you want education or aquaponic fish safe nutrients. Uh, and I'm also over on uh, Fumador and the Flavors 
and if you want to come hang out, like I said, I'll be over hanging out with um, Brennan Rust and um, Jordan River from the Growcast. We'll be doing a kind of a cool live event in Oklahoma City on the 21st. Uh, again, we'll have some more details on that in the next couple of weeks. Um, so come hang out. I like that. And uh, I'm looking yeah. forward to seeing more of your uh, virtual aquaponics conference videos that are coming out on your channel for those who missed it. I spoke at it and uh, there were many, many, many people uh, who, gave, who gave brilliant presentations. So you check them out there at Potent Ponics on YouTube. And I guess that makes me the last one. Uh, I am Matthew Gates. I'm an IPM specialist. And if you're interested in pest related information or plant health generally, you can find my content in one of three places. I do have a Patreon. You can also find me at zenthanol.com for professional inquiries uh, for consulting. You can also find me at my YouTube channel, Zenthanol, where I make a lot of my uh, video content and also on my Instagram, personal Instagram, at SyncAngel. Awesome. Thank you for being the host this week, Matthew. Oh, thank you for having me. Absolutely. <laughs> Grow our love, everyone.